Hi, InterVR listeners. I have exciting news to announce. In an effort to create more and better content, InterVR brought along a sponsor. It wasn't easy finding a sponsor that aligned with the values and ideals of the show, but I think we found the right partnership with Veer VR. Because the metaverse isn't going to build itself, and thankfully the tools to build it are becoming easier to use and more accessible to everyone. Tools like Veer. Veer is a social network supported by an ecosystem of hardware and software tools for a thriving community of 360 content creators all around the world. Whether you are capturing meat space or virtual environments, Veer helps you create, edit, and share 360 content. And best of all, it's totally free. I've been using Veer myself for the past couple months to capture and share some of my favorite memories, and I've been having a lot of fun doing it. So check out Veer on your favorite app store or go to veer.tv to get started. Now, without further ado, please enjoy the show. now listening to the InterVR podcast. I'm Chris Miranda, your host. Uh, welcome to all the listeners who are listening from around the world. Today is going to be a really fun conversation. Um, today on the show, I have Tina and Philip from Radiant VR, a database for VR for international VR art um, and so much more. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, and yeah, thanks again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thank hey you there. Hi, Chris. Hey. Thanks for inviting us. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So tell me more about, um, give me a quick intro into what Radiant VR is. So Radiant VR is a database or online platform for artistic VR experiences. So we look into VR from the direction of visual arts, what um, visual artists like do in in terms of VR or VR artworks or artistic VR experience. And we collect the documentations on the platform and make them accessible for a bigger audience, also for curators or museums who actually want to show VR art in their exhibitions but don't have access to the medium and don't know who's working on it, like, internationally. Yeah, because... The general idea was it's so scattered, everything, and, you know, people are just starting to explore the medium, and we thought it would be great to have one centered uh, database, one centered platform to bring all of uh, the great uh, artists together that work in, uh, you know, in the visual artists uh, and in the medium of VR. Yeah. Guys, this is, this is a really good idea. I, I, I actually, I was reading through your website, and it wasn't clicking until you actually told me. Um, it's it's weird, but uh, it's actually true that VR art is scattered everywhere. If I'm a museum curator, where the hell do I find any? Like, and it seems like you guys are putting together a really really valuable database. Now, here's the question though: um, Is this something that you guys are monetizing? Is this something that are you doing for for passion, or, or what what is what is the 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 end goal here? Yeah, well, well you know, for now it's really just. Uh 
out of uh, bringing that whole thing together, the all the artists down. It started from my side. It started, you know, when I was in Silicon Valley with metaphysics, that I wanted to uh, uh, bring artists together at, at a space where, you know, they get some visibility. So that's kind of, uh, in a way, two ways uh, uh, side. Uh, it's uh, at the same time you... The artists get their visibility, and on the other hand, curators or anybody who's interested, you know, gets to see who's out there. And at the moment, I think, or we both think, I mean, if I can speak for Tina right now, is uh, that, um, you know, it's not about monetizing because there's no market yet, really. It's about, like, just creating a great uh, uh, foundation or platform so that, you know, users or um, artists, creators can go and uh, feel like represented. And on the other hand, that just users of the, uh, everywhere can, you know, have access to it. And I think to speak about some, something like monetization or whatever, you know, that's far off in the future. I mean, this is really not on our mind right now. I mean, we are doing this for free at the moment. And because we believe that... Uh, uh, the whole scene needs to be re- represented in one space. Yeah, that's totally the case. So um, I started curating a VR show like one and a half years ago, and I had like kind of the same problem. I didn't know where to find the artists. I mean, actually, I did know because I'm part of a big international digital art scene, so I knew who was working on which project, and I could ask the artist. But, you know, if you're a curator in a smaller town, and you don't have access to the scene, you you have no access point. And I really, or well, we really, really wanted to create this access point. Also, personally, I use the database myself a lot for research. And um, also, um, yeah, I think it was um, really needed, and it's really important to have it now. Also, you know, um, we are in art, this very specific field in VR, and it's not very emphasized for now, like, Game is more emphasized, porn is more emphasized, and we really think that um, there should be a database for what art in VR actually can be. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, please. Yeah, I would just wanted to add to that that, um, uh, you know, of course, uh, for us, uh, the benefit is uh, clearly to, you know, get strengthen the network and, you know, all these new contacts that we make. This is great for Tina as a curator and for me as a also as a meetup organizer. It's uh, uh, you know the just the personal communication that comes out of it. That's uh, something valuable, and you know sometimes new kind of exhibitions or workshops just come out of that. So that's I think for me one of the benefits. Really, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. you're, you're the uh, you're the creator. You're the creator of the Berlin meetup. Is that correct? Or that's awesome okay well i want to ask you about that very soon but before that i want to ask tina about can you please walk me through the process of what it's like to curate vr art like what does that look like yeah that's a very interesting question because um the main question of curating vr in museum institutions is like how you present it uh, by not just presenting the, the goggles and so i wrap my concepts for my shows around the discussion about uh, virtuality and real-life aesthetics also in one case and in the other case I was discussing how virtual spaces are created in different media including virtual reality. So I actually as the shows are in a physical exhibition space I try to um, also talk with the space and create create a show 
where like every viewer who's there physically has a great experience for sure wow and where does the inspiration for example comes from where does the inspiration come from for someone to create vr art like where do the you know do you know where the where usually the roots of that inspiration for people come from so you mean for the artist yeah yeah um there are that's a very interesting question because there are so many different inspirations and what i really find Stunning is that not only artists who work with digital media are interested in VR, but also sculptors or performance artists who discover the medium for themselves. Because, you know, as a performance artist, if you want to perform with more than one performer, you can basically just clone yourself and dance all parts or perform all parts by yourself and then merge them together. Plus, you have the fact that you are in, in the same space um, with the viewer and he relates to your body and to your personal size and that's a very unique experience and also as a sculpture you know you can create um, uh, I don't know a turning um, constantly changing sculpture up in the air and you have the viewer in the same space experiencing the sculpture and that's not possible in real life so the artists come from many different um, directions also. and so when it's something I I, I want to follow up you know with um in, in part of my ignorance about the, for this question, but when do you consider something art in VR? Like, uh, like, like, have you ever run into a situation when, when someone sent you or you found something, you're like, I don't know if this is art. Like, have you ever been in that situation? Yes, of course. I mean, that's one of my favorite questions. So thank you for asking it, actually. Um, so for me, or for both of us, for, for Philip and me, uh, art is um, something where the artist approaches our society or our surroundings in a critical way. So an artist, a visual artist, um, you know, thinks about society, how the structures of society are, how maybe the structures of virtual reality are. It's not like artists um, in our sense of the word, how we also like use radiance as a platform for, um, to um, talk about our living conditions or our conditions of society it's not like uh, it's not like a video game for example it's a different approach yeah yeah i mean maybe i add to that so uh, so that uh, the, the 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 context in which vr happens uh, is so kind of reflected uh, as well from an artistic artistic perspective that um, people are trying to uh, artists are trying to gather like what can this medium do and in which way does it uh, relate to you know the the, the issues uh, that we have in the in the society without being sort of what's the word for that you know like a commodity or so without being utilized you know sort of like for an end goal uh, you know it just also can exist for itself which is, I think is always a great um, thing about art that you know it doesn't need to prove anything it doesn't need to uh, you know serve a purpose in that sense it can also just you know uh, it can be open to any kind of interpretation and um, so it always stays like alive and fresh and hard to grasp um, so that's I think uh, one of the reasons I get uh, and the other hand is really interesting at the moment we have this uh, conversations uh, quite often because you know you have now these like fine artists from universities <laughs> or established artists who work in this real you know, fine art context, you start to explore the medium, which you can, um, you know, discern as like coming from the real art world. Uh, art world. But at the same time, this medium, of course, now um, um, 
starts to uh, interest other kinds of uh, uh, creators, sort of like game programmers and, uh, you know, designers. And so I think with all the other um, areas as well, you know, you think of film, of uh, music, it all starts to merge a bit uh, with this new medium. So that's very an interesting point in which way now we have to discern kind of what is the art there and what is something else. And this is an ongoing discussion we have, actually. Wow. Yes. I mean, it's also, you know, um, we are art, original art as we see it. It's not um, about creating, a, I don't know, creative product to entertain somebody. It's more about the artist's perspective or the artist's statement on, on the world or the world we all live in. That's actually the Ah, that's your okay. So you flipped it all on its head for me because the whole time it was art was all about me enjoying the art. No, no, it's actually a reflection of the person's consciousness or whatever is inside of them um, yeah. onto the world. Yeah, uh, the art approach to the medium. Then, for example, a game developer. You know, a game developer might look into you know entertaining the person who will play the game in the end, but an artist first looks into his own ideas of how he or she sees the world and what he wants to tell us about his perspective on the world. And that's what we mean with critical approach and what is very important to us. You know, for someone who runs a podcast, I know very little about art. Um, and I got to say, thank you for enlightening me. I have another question, and let's go back to the basics here. I've run into people across my life who have, whom have been very dismissive of art. Um, and, and so I want to be armed with tools to come back to them and say, look, so-and-so, art is valuable in society because blank. You know? And not only that, not only that, but VR art is an extension of this value in society because of blank. What do you guys okay. think? <laughs> funny. So, I mean, you know, like before, let's say, digital art or VR art existed, you know, you had to go to a museum and you had like some sculpture on a plinth somewhere and you know you had this special space for the art and that kind of made the art like you know beyond yourself like a like a like a godlike thing you use you, you see and have to worship but with VR art it's totally different because now you use the same medium the same device the same goggles the same whatever controllers you use for all kinds of experiences at home. You use them anyway, you know, to watch movies, to um, have touristic experiences, educational experiences. You know, one of all these wonderful experiences you have at home can now be art, which is awesome. And then you can really discover new worlds which you may not have even, like, thought of before. And also, of course, um, think about the world you live in by yourself. How yeah, would you yeah there's um, not much to add there. I mean, it, of course, I see VR as well as a very social medium and, and when it's used in the right way. And then now, uh, you know, it's hopefully when once the technology becomes uh, less expensive that, you know, it can connect with lots of people from all over the world and, uh, you know, um, experience uh, art together and share art in a, another way. And that's what I personally find really great about VR as art is, you know, that medium just, yeah, just explores all kinds of uh, new uh, possibilities, you know, beyond physical laws, beyond gravity, beyond, 
you know, what we're supposed to be as, as an identities, you know, that all this shifting of avatars and, and, and gender and all these questions are really, really uh, liberating, I think. And that's, I think that's where artists can bring in so much because they have all these unique perspectives and they, are, they have the courage, you know, to try something out beyond the box, you know, thinking outside of the box. And that's what I think is, you know, that's what we want what we need and I'm really excited about seeing what's uh, coming up in the future let me ask you this what do you think and I don't again uh, enlighten my ignorance because I don't know very much about this world what is the what does the traditional art world think about virtual reality uh, is there a consensus do you guys have any uh, conversations with people who have told you um, what they think about VR that are from that uh, section of, of society well, um, I started, you know, I wasn't, you know, I trained as an artist. I was a sculptor as well with a gallery representation and everything. And uh, so since uh, 2005, and I worked as an artist for about 10 years and, you know, also started actually using VR as an extension of my own sculptural practice. So, so I could explore different kinds of shapes and textures and animations uh, within space, you know, something that relates to me in a physical, spatial way. That's what my, my kind of uh, interest was in as a sculptor and I started 2013 and you know that was like when the Oculus Rift came out you know that I bought that thing and uh, just went off um, but at, at that moment there was almost nothing there and it was really hard to uh, you know convince other people about it because I mean maybe the technology was really cute, crude and uh, a bit raw but now I feel like you know one our initiative is uh, helping to you know spread the word and I think now it's slowly starting to dawn on, you know, curators and collectors that it is really a serious medium that, you know, can be uh, used or explored in many different ways. As Tina said, you know, it can be used for performance art, for sculpture, for painting. I mean, you think of the, all the tools and uh, for video, you know, 360 video has become a, um, a new branch of uh, maybe VR filmmaking. And uh, so... Uh, but the acceptance, um, from my perspective, uh, took a while. So uh, to you know to um, have it picked up in museums, uh, at least in Europe, uh, took a while. But I think Tina, you can say something to that as well. Yes, of course. So in terms of museums, there are lots of museum shows coming up um, with um, on the on the topic of VR already happened in the past year. And but so everyone in the arts is actually really curious what uh, what will happen with the new medium because everyone is aware that this will change not only the art production but also the art market or the presentation of art because in fact you can also do exhibitions in virtual reality you you don't need the physical space necessarily to have an exhibition and also like an art fair you can also have it in um, VR it, it actually already exists someone is already. So um, the whole art world will change um, with VR or the digital in general. And so many people still, I feel, they don't really know how to deal with it, also especially gallerists, you know, who, who um, used to sell, like, physical, unique works of art. Mm -hmm. um, for them, you know, there will be a lot of change in the next um, years or decades, actually, you know, because the digital medium is <laughs> nothing but as everything but not like a unique um, print or so or painting. 
Yeah, I think just to end this for my for my side, I think there's two sides to uh, a presentation of the art in museums and context. The positive is really that you know it creates, as within other industries, would say this event-like character. You know, it's very exciting, it's very emotional. You see these people freaking out, mm -hmm. and so of course that is very interesting to museums to gather crowds, and uh, that's what's been happening. You know, in the Tate Modern, there was a Modigliani show. Uh, my own show that I did with Norja was in the ZKM in Karlsruhe in this uh, big digital museum. And uh, that was, of course, you know, it generates attraction. On the other hand, that uh, you know, to uh, provide a, a good experience to the viewer, to the visitor, you always have to have a perfect running setup. You have to have people that help you through the experience. And that's something... A lot of museums, you know, with their limited budgets have sometimes trouble with, you know, trying to define all these uh, or, you know, keep up the, the experience for the for the visitor. Especially if they have never tried VR, it's, it's just such a, you know, you have to tell them how it works and stuff. So it, it requires some resources to do that. Interesting. Aside from the practical uh, aspects, did the marketing of does the marketing of virtual reality as we stand does that affect the perception by museum curators? Like you know, it's 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 do they ever do they come back to you and say, well, it's for games, obviously, because I see the commercials and it's all games there. Like, do you does that affect how the progress is going because of the marketing at this point, or they, do they get to see past that and say, well? Yeah, they market it for games, but I put this thing on and it's something else. What do you? What do you? What? What has been your experience? Yeah, really cool question. Um, I mean, for, for first of all, I would say it's it's really interesting to you know VR hasn't been uh, has been around for decades and uh, in a different version at you know at the times of Darren Lanier and uh, all those early uh, pioneers. Uh, you know that was. I in my, from my perspective, there was a more theoretical, like a more intellectual approach to VR and its possibilities. One side more technical, but also more, you know, thinking of the philosophical implications of everything. And in that sense, there were some really interesting artworks coming out of that period, like Shah Davis, uh, for example. And um, it's a great, great uh, VR artist, I think, from the 90s. And... Um, but uh, now with the new whole, uh, you know, Oculus Rift uh, game uh, movement, uh, VR has been perceived really as like this game fun entertaining tool, which is great because it uh, attracts a lot of people and it's, it's seen as something that is not uh, elitist, but uh, at the same time that colors the experience of, uh, of uh, you know, as you call, you know, the academia, and, and they, you know, are just a little bit more critical. But I think once they kind of overcome their um, presumptions, uh, then they and they experience it, then they're like, wow, this is incredible. This is something else. I mean, you probably know the same feeling that you tell people about VR, how great it is, how interesting it is, and then until they don't experience it, they have no idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead, Tina. Yeah, totally true. Yeah, for, for museums uh, and curators, so for the art scene, they actually see the medium as an artistic medium, for sure, too. Um, but, you know, if the, like, let's say, general public approaches me as a curator, then it's often the case that they relate VR just, um, like, to, to games, especially. So there is um, there's a difference. And that's also the reason why we founded Radiance, actually, to create this access for the general public and to say, hey, that's VR art. Good. I like that a lot. 
thank you for doing that. You guys are awesome. Uh, <laughs> now let's take a let's take a trip to the let's go let's go down the rabbit hole for just one sec, um, because a question that's been lingering in my mind is: um, can, can, is it possible that art can be used for negative purposes? And at that point, is it is it is it considered art? Does does art has to be intrinsically altruistic? Um, what do you guys think? Because I because I wonder, like you know, my question goes as this: you know, today people believe everything they see on the internet, and the internet is a two D flat plane. Now imagine an internet two point where it's three dimensional, volumetric, in VR. You know, because you're immersed, is it harder to escape the? Bra- will it be harder to escape the brainwashing? And so, in that same sense, will you be able to create art? Um, with negative intent, is that is that is that possible? What do you guys think about that thought? That thought. Well, yeah, I think. Ooh, yeah, this is a general alert to just uh, like the question that I'm also thinking a lot about, like how much uh, you know, how how uh, can, how much can we all be affected by this medium in a good way and in a, in a negative way because we are so vulnerable now to all these different, uh, you know, perceptual. Uh, entries in a way because yeah. it's you know, like there in space everything gets affected everything may get recorded so but you know that's another discussion for uh but i think uh as an art art piece as maybe with everything else uh, as we discussed the art is kind of uh, defining the context of it and um i think uh, it it should be presented in such a context at least you know you it can happen whatever can happen in there from my perspective but it should be presented in a context that you can maybe figure it out as as art i think at the moment um you know to to have that sort of um um, how do you say that? I mean, this is, a, this is we could talk about this endlessly, but you know, to have a certain certain kind of context in which uh, the experience is experience gives you a reference sort of. And if, if that reference is not there, then I think with any experience, whether bad or good, you know, or when it's a bad experience, you 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 will hurt your user. Or they don't know what they are are going to uh, see there. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, and if, you, if you think, like, where all the new technologies derived from, actually, they were invented for military reasons. Also, like, one of the first VR headsets, the so-called Sword of Damocles, was also used, as far as I know, for, for military reasons. And also the Internet and emails, it was like, you know, the purpose was maybe, in my opinion, not a good one to invent it. But um, so I also like agree with Philip. It's about the context, and you know, it's art is enclosed in art exhibitions on artist websites on gallery websites. So there is a very special context that defines art as art, which actually tells you also how to deal with it and not take it for like um, a real um, setting or so. Yeah, I mean, maybe some somewhat. Uh, of course, I could see art as a uh, stage as well. You know. Of course, there's a lot of other art movement that would totally contradict us and say <laughs> art is life. You know, you think of Joseph Boyce or somebody like that. But uh, no, no I mean art is for sure life. And if you look at pieces like the one of um, what's his name, Jordan Wolfson, uh, yeah, Jordan Wolfson, Jordan yeah, Wolfson yeah. at the Whitney Biennial last last year. Uh, there's a piece where you stand outside the Whitney, or the building of the Whitney and see how a guy is beaten up. And um, that's a really tough piece. 
So, and that's very realistic. And there was a huge discussion like uh, over this piece and if this should be presented in this way, if this is art, um, if it's okay to even like do a work like this. And so, of course, art is always related to, um, to life, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good example of how uh, the intentionally, like, super, super bad, super negative, you just watch somebody get, getting beating, beaten up is, uh, you know, provoking these reactions and these questions that you are asking, Chris, like, like, okay, wow, uh, what am I going to do? Uh, this is uh, getting beyond my comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. Ah, it's almost a simulation of a life lesson in, in front of you at the museum, like, like, huh? Because you don't know what you're going to do until you experience these things a lot of the times, you know, like you, you might have mental models, but then it happens. And like Mike Tyson says, every time Mike Tyson likes to say, used to say, um, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the fucking mouth. And mm -hmm. so it's exactly like that. Like, I, I, I don't I wouldn't know how to react un until I saw someone getting beat up, you know, I, and, and so in that sense, I definitely see the value. Now, yeah. what are your biggest hopes for the future of VR art going forward? Wow, big question. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I mean, do you want to start, Tina? Yeah, or? it was just fulfilling the other questions. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Really... Oh, so we'll take it one at a time. Let's go one at a time. Let's start with the, uh, the last question. <laughs> into these questions. No, you know, your but, biggest hope. But maybe I can relate both questions with, with each other, still speaking about Wolfson's piece, you know, but that's a point of art, you know, art, art is supposed to put us in situations we don't expect, we don't know how to deal with, with, you know, art is supposed to, like, reflect on our own behavior and, like, make us think about things, you know, and about our own world. When we look at art, whatever art it is, most of the art, it's supposed to, you know, um, give us a new idea of the world we live in for, for ourselves, a new kind of Enlightenment is a big word, but you know you know what I mean. And then relating to your new question, um, our hope so for the future of VR is actually that people see this potential of VR art or also art in general. Because as I said earlier, most people you know they don't really get in touch with art because it's in museums and something like you know um, not related to their own life. But now with VR, you have a big possibility. Um, to relate art more to your personal life, as I said, also through the devices you use. And so we hope, or I hope for the future, that this will extend and that VR art will play a big role in VR in general in the future. Yeah, I mean, one of my hopes is also as an artist and sculptor is sort of that uh, VR really uh, expands uh, Uh, you know, my possibilities of creating something. So I have suddenly all these uh, potential of the digital within a spatial uh, 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 world uh, in a spatial relationship to myself. And these are just of, just adding dimensions to, to my experience. And uh, I, I think that's going to be really interesting what people are coming out, out uh, you know, what they're making with that. Um, um, also what I found interesting is that you can, uh, with, uh, with VR, you can uh, kind of um, deconstruct uh, the, uh, the digital in a way. Because, you know, you can, you know, you can, you can I mean, you could deconstruct the digital in any ways, but uh, as, a, as, a, as in 3D, sort of, you, it relates more to your uh, uh, body and relates more to your, you know, physical, uh, emotional uh, uh, being. And in that sense, I think that's... Uh, 
just has a really strong um, a strong quality. Speaking about accessibility, that's also um, um, because, because like a painting is a unique thing and if a collector buys it, it will just, you know, vanish in a collection and you will never see it again, maybe maybe in an auction or in some museum shows, but if you present art in VR or online in the digital realm, you have the chance to keep the accessibility for all kinds of artworks and that's really also important for us. Yeah, yeah. Now I want to ask you about: um, Do you do you guys ever have people come up to you and ask you for advice about how they can become VR artists themselves? Uh, and and do you encourage other people to become VR artists if they if they have those thoughts? You know, what sort of what sort of things do you tell them? Well, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I've been doing uh, lots of uh, workshop, you know, with uh, Oculus Medium and uh, Google Tiltbrush and uh, Masterpiece VR and uh, other tools. And uh, this is, uh, I think, now a er uh, phase where you know, artists get to uh, see, you know, that it's not so hard to create art pieces. Uh, you know, the programming gets easier, you know, with Unity with their, and uh, Unreal with all their uh, visual um, uh, programming um, uh, methods uh, that you can use. I think that's what I want to encourage uh, artists now to, to, you know, to get the feed wet and uh, go out and try things. Uh, so that's kind of from the artists, because now at this art academies where I did those workshops, they're just like, mm, I try, need to try, but it's really hard and... Uh, how can I get into this? And uh, just showing them the tools and saying, hey, you can do something incredible really fast with not a lot of means. Uh, that's, uh, so I think I hope that is encouraging uh, for you know, at least young students uh, to explore the medium further. Uh, I don't know that that your question just related to artists becoming VR artists or like just general people or just general people. Yeah, and you answered it beautifully. No worries. Thank you. Um, let me ask you then: um, Has there been a particular VR art piece that has imprinted on on you the most? And and if so, you know why do you think that art piece imprinted on you so much? So for me as a curator and art historian, this is a really hard question to answer because, you know, when I look at, at a piece, I see the structure, I see the context, I see, like, the intention of the artist. So a piece can totally be conceptual, maybe just black and white, and it can be awesome, but also, like, uh, another, like, piece um, which is more interactive. This can be awesome at the same time. So it's, for me, it's really hard um, to answer this question honestly speaking so for me a work is good when it's like when, it, when it's complex when it's well thought and um, when there is really a, a good intention or idea the artist like um, develops in his or her piece yeah for me it's also really hard to uh, single out any favorite or something because you know that's uh, lots of uh, art has its uh, own uh, different artworks have their own kind of qualities and uh, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's hard to say I mean I personally you know uh, really liked as well the um, piece by Melody Mosse is called Hannah Hannah 
is a, a French artist living in Switzerland, and she made this really cool uh, experience that I also actually showed once in Silicon Valley, um, where you use, um, like, uh, she made these hands that grow out of themselves into other hands and other hands, and so you can build, like, these structures in this gathered landscape. It's quite surreal, but it's also what I found interesting is that she used you know, the uh, the the creativity and the interaction of all these uh, procedural uh, um, VR, you know, game worlds for something very uh, unique and surreal, sort of. I, th I like that, that she kind of explored the medium, uh, what it could do, uh, but staying to with her, uh, within her art artistic vision. So uh, what VR tools, uh, VR art making tools are you most excited about i've tried google blocks i've tried tilt brush uh, i've i played around with uh mod box um a little bit of the rec room um model creator thing um and i and i and i like them all i i particularly like blocks the most because of how easy and intuitive it can be um but are you uh excited or do you have an inclination for one or the other um all, all quill have you seen the quill um the quill post on twitter from goro fujita this, this... i saw that now you can animate uh, the, the yeah the... yeah <laughs> holy crap dude yeah, great. yeah yeah it's great stuff yeah he's such a good uh yeah animator actually and uh illustrator Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I have to try that out still. I mean, of course, uh, each medium has its own sort of, you know, flair, its own, like, target, uh, where, you know, the quill would be more illustrative and kind of painterly, okay. uh, whereas uh, something like, uh, you know, Oculus Medium is more um, sculptural-based and uh, or Google Blocks is more about, like, creating primitives and creating works, like, more uh, kind of, Uh, that uh, you know more architectural in a way sort of could be and um, so they're, they're different different um, they have different functions in a way so I mean uh, for starters I of course love uh, tilt brush you know to show to artists for the first time it's just mind-blowing when you create this uh, ray of light and like use of uh, fire or you know hyper color is really cool uh, you uh, so and they're always really impressed but i think that um tilt brush in a way is too is which is its strength its effects uh, also its weakness because it's not as open to you know new interpretations of uh, the tool something like uh You know, Photoshop or something like if you think of the old tools, is really kind of you can do anything with it. It doesn't, you know, have a certain flavor that much. And um, in that sense, I would say something like Masterpiece VR. I found it really interesting, uh, where you can do both sculpting as well as you know painting. But um, I, it, it is it is not that uh, kind of uh, defined yet. So yeah, that's sort of my impression for now. I have another question, a little bit out of left field uh, for Tina. Tina, how important is intent when you're creating art? Um, because it, my feeling is that when your intention, when you're creating something, um, is is the thing that defines whether it's going to be propaganda or whether it's going to be art or whether it's going to be because because I can I can think of things that look like art but are actually propaganda. You know, and and when do where do you draw the line? Like, where do you when when do you know when something is 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 trying to misinform me and 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 manipulate me? Whereas there's something that is just there with 
an intent from the artists from from them themselves yeah i mean if somebody tries to trick you you know you won't know or you will find out it's the same for me you know if someone wants to manipulate me he or she might have chances to do so or not you know i i don't know it's it's just um it's the intention itself yeah it, it defines a lot and if you say you're an artist if you study art or studied art and if you want to do art then it's your intention to do art and this um defines a lot it's a lot about context uh, as i said it's not um it's not often easy if you have just one visual maybe just one still of a vr piece or if it's like the art if it's art or game or whatever propaganda as you call it um it's maybe not hard, not easy to distinguish on first sight and what it actually is you you need some context for it you need to know like maybe the whole piece who did it why um what did he study what did yeah what's um that's actually the point yeah, yeah. I mean, I just uh, that uh, on top of that is always uh, that artists who actually do something like a manipulated piece or a propaganda piece, or they but they come from this uh, art context. You know, the history of art. I would say the context is might be the history of art. So they are playing against the history of art, but it's always that's the reference. And I think when you know the history of art, even of it doesn't mean like uh, you know year old, uh, hundred year old art, but you know it could be something that was made in the fifties. And then you make something that is totally against that. Um, that so, if you understand that maybe the history, uh, then you can also you know see the intention of it. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point because I mean American abstract art, which like influenced us the most in the past fifty years or sixty years, is supposed to be uh, propaganda art against uh, um, in the Cold War, whereas the Russians. Um, did a completely different kind of painting at these days, figurative painting. And so also, like, let's say the most important American um, artistic creation of the past century is also seen as propaganda by many art historians also. So, um, But it's still art, right? It's still, um, it has its own, like, roots and history and develop, development, history of development. So there are reasons why art developed in these abstract ways um, in the 20th century. Yeah, so uh, that just reminds me of uh, uh, also, you know, uh, pop art and uh, Andy Warhol, you know, art as a, as a, as a consumerism, yes. sort of like, what is that? It, yeah. Does he, he, maybe he just played with the whole idea that it's uh, just, uh, mm-hmm. it's really not really, uh, it's, it's, it's not differentiated from what you buy in a supermarket. Right, the counter figure of, of abstract art. Anymore, right? That's the yeah. discussion. People so, also like many people said, "No, but, you're just just tricking us. It's not art, you know." That's a big discussion of these yeah. things. Wow, guys! I hear a sound in the distance, and I think that's the sound of my mind being blown. Um, that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. Like, I, it's weird because I because the Cold War uh, did use weaponized art to win hearts and minds all over the world, and it's. Wow, it's crazy how it's like it's a kind of a slap in the face right now. I'm realizing how important art has been yeah. without me. Yeah, you just sort of like accept these visuals and these messages um, uh, throughout your life, and then you don't really reflect on them. And now I'm like here having this existential crisis because you guys just told me that art is not what I used to think it was. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. You guys are doing doing great on the show. Um, we're down to the last couple questions. 
Um, what are the biggest challenges facing VR artists right now? Oh, say, say again, Chris. What are the biggest challenges facing VR artists right now? Right now. Um, I mean, I can just say straight ahead that is, of course, uh, uh, the uh, cost of the technology. Just really like, you know, they have to get down. You know, artists are really poor most of the time. And uh, so you have to buy all kinds of computers and uh, headsets. And, you know, the technology iterates so fast uh, that you always, you know, if you don't buy a headset every two years, uh, you're behind in a way. So that's one of the challenges. And then the other one, yeah, at the moment is, you know, the distribution and the visibility of your experiences. And that's why I think, yeah, that's what we are working on with Radiance. Yeah, yeah plus so. um, another challenge. Um, if I can add that, is that the art market is not really ready for virtual art pieces, and it's so hard to sell any kind of digital art right now. You know, it's um, or especially in Berlin, it's the case. Um, it's much more easier to sell a painting. Or still, if you look at the auction markets, of course, you know, you pay like lots of money, millions, billions for um, paintings, but yeah, not for digital art. And there are a few auctions only for digital art in general. And of course, the prices are like way lower, like you know, like thousand bucks, maybe ten thousand, depends on the piece also. But um, so the other challenge the artists face is that it's harder to sell the, the art pieces or digital art in general and to make money. Is this a new? Is this is this new to V to to VR artists, or is this something that has been happening to artists, you know, from time immemorial? That's so. Every artist who works with a new medium, if it's ah. like earlier times, it's it's the same problem. Every time there is a new medium, also to become have the medium accepted as art, like also photography. Um, it took a while. It took until twentieth century early that photography actually was art, that the medium of photography can be art. And the same with video in, in the 70s, and now it's the same with the digital, and now we are. It just takes a while. Yeah, and then maybe also, also the uh, whole art uh, financial system is built on collecting, and uh, that is sort of like a, a still very active, I think it's a sort of ex-capitalist uh, under the function, uh, underwood of that, uh, that is also something about uh, fetishes, you know, physical fetishes. The collectors love to have their stuff in their home and show it off. And, uh, of course, with digital works, it's harder to do that and uh, to also show, you know, the aura of the piece, what, you know, Benjamin, Walter Benjamin uh, <laughs> called it. Uh, and uh, so that's hard to struggle with. So I think it's it's more, um, it really needs to switch in the heads uh, of, of, of the of the of the art people, but yeah. at the same time, I think that's really hard at the moment. Yeah, I think maybe VR hard. can do it. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I hope so. But that's really the problem, as Philip says. The monetary value of an art piece is very much related also to its uniqueness. And as you know, digital files can theoretically be copied like endlessly, so there is not even like an original anymore. And this, of course, changes a lot, especially for the art market. And it's not ready for this. <laughs> Right now, is this something that perhaps a uh, a blockchain protocol could help with? Uh, maybe. Yeah, 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 that could be uh, true if you know it's protected by blockchain. Um, 
Well, I mean, at the moment, like I sold uh, the nausea, the exhibition I made with these six artists uh, to uh, a collection in London. And uh, so that's one of those collections, uh, the Budovich collection, that is really uh, open to media art, which I'm really grateful for. And um, but as it, so we we did it in a way with a uh, certificate a certificate of authenticity. So this is kind of a physical proof. It's a paper, mm-hmm. so that the piece belongs to them. Um, but blockchain, of course, in the future uh, is, is a possibility. But I think at the same time, the question is rather: um, Do we want this? You know, this artificial limitation of things. You know, is that sort of like the market or the way we? We uh, share, uh, you know, share pieces with each other. Or is it not just rather be something like uh, Netflix or Steam where, you know, it's all streaming and it's all open and, you know, nobody owns it? Yeah, I think the same way as Philip. It's about the experience um, that counts and that should actually create the value and about pieces are pieces that are um, accessible. And, I, of course, I think for these kind of collectors, blockchain, could help, you know, but in the end, the work they would own would still be digital or immaterial. It's not a painting, you cannot touch it, you know, it's not like a physical object, and this also creates lots of, like, hesitation for the collectors. What an interesting world you guys are in. Man, uh, we're down to the final stretch. This is the last question. Uh, I'm going to keep it nice and simple um, and easy. So, the last question is, uh, why is VR art important to you? Why are you? Why? Why did you decide to do this? I mean, for me, it derived out of the, um, dealing with digital art in general. You know, after I finished my studies, like ten, no, it's it's like twelve years ago, I actually wanted to become a curator for photography, and then I discovered the internet as the new medium at the time, and you know, I understood that. This is the time I live in. I witnessed the internet, you know. Photography is invented like 170 years ago already. So, um, but I want to deal with uh, the things that I invented in my lifetime that I do witness. And that's how I came into digital art and how I now came into um, virtual reality. Yeah, and for me, I mean, the most important about VR art is, uh, you know, I was a, a sculptor and I tried a lot of things with uh, perception and experience. How do I uh, experience space? How do I experience different conditions and atmospheres in space? And until uh, the new, you know, VR movement came up, I didn't know anymore how to, you know, get the tools to explore these questions, like between the subject and the object and the surroundings. And now suddenly VR, with its all its questions of uh, intersubjectivity or inter uh, between the object and subject blurrings and just created all these new you know possibilities I could explore that's and that's sort of like beyond like what phys- uh, limits me physically and I'm, I'm but at the same time I can experience it in a, in a spatial in a very physical way that's so just so enriching and that's that's why I love it sweet Guys, you guys have been amazing. Uh, how can people stay in touch and follow up what you're, with what you're doing these days? Yeah, we, you know, of course, on our website, uh, uh, radiancevr.co, you can check it out. And uh, then uh, there's our emails to that, so contact at radiancevr.co. And we are also on Facebook as RadianceVR, so follow us there or on or Instagram, Instagram. Uh, which uh, <laughs> is also RadiancevR yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. All those links will be linked in the show notes. Uh, Tina, Philip, you guys have been amazing. Once again, from Radiant VR, 
please, let's stay in touch. Let's do this once again. I learned so much. Thank you again for your time. And I will see you in the metaverse, hopefully. <laughs> see you. Thank, Thank you. you so see much. you soon. Bye. Bye.